Welcome to the Dr. Raj podcast with Dr. Raj Dasgupta, a show all about educating patients, students, and aspiring doctors about better patient care. Dr. Raj is a quadruple board certified physician and associate professor at the University of Southern California. He was a co-host of the TNT series, Chasing the Cure with Ann Curry, as well as a regular on the TV show, The Doctors. And now, here's our show. Welcome to the Dr. Raj Show. And so, as always, I really wish you guys and gals out there could see what I see. Um, it's a Friday, and I'm having a wonderful conversation with a really, really special person who I'm very, very excited to be on the Dr. Raj Show. This is going to be Heather Lang. And I really wish I could, there was more oomph just with saying the name because it doesn't really let me tell you how awesome and cool she is in person. But as of all my guests, I definitely want to give a little background. Um, so Heather right now, you won't see this. Um, she looks really cool with some sunglasses. She's in her car and she's actually uh, doing this talk from Kentucky. And Kentucky is her home state. She went to the University of Kentucky where she actually got a bachelor's in nursing. So maybe we'll get asked some nursing questions. And she is a go-getter. She got her master's from the University of Louisville. And she's currently a nurse practitioner in uh, urogynecology. So very, very intimidating and very impressive. I love it. But I think the why I have her on the show today is you know, one of the most amazing things is that she's a mom of three kids, and these kids range from ages 15, seven, down to two years of age, or five years. Am I right? Which one is it, Heather? Two. Two. Oh, man. So, and I do want to actually spend the most time talking about, they're all special, but uh, her middle kid, which is Hadley Joe. And I'm not going to steal anything away from this, but let me just say, Heather, thank you for being here. How are you doing today? I am fantastic. This is so exciting for me. It's it's so great to see your face again from all the way across the country. But yet, you know, every time I see you, it's such a treat. So, you know, sending lots of uh, love from Kentucky. And you know what? I, like I said, I almost want to make this a, a video session in the sense that you have this beautiful smile. You're so positive. <laughs> I mean, it's almost like we were brother and sister from a different time. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. I feel the same way for sure. It, it is. There's just, it's just great. I, I, I count down the days when I can get back out to L.A. to see you guys. So it's really cool. <laughs> so let's get started by me jumping in the time machine and asking you just kind of about, you know, what kind of let you down the pathway of nursing in general? Because, you know, I'll be the first to say nurses are the front lines of defense. They do so much for us. What motivated you to go to the University of Kentucky and pursue nursing as your major? Um, I, you know, I just sort of decided, I kind of knew as I, probably through high school, that I, I really wanted to help people. And as um, I had to start really making some decisions about colleges um, and, and, you know, what, what you want to major in, I really kind of thought long and hard that, you know, I, I think I could do nursing. That would be a good fit for me. I really wanted to help people in ways that um, they couldn't necessarily help themselves. And um, what a great way through nursing that there's so many options with, 
you know, whether the clinic side, the research side, the education side, you know, I would have a lot of options and uh, potentially a lot of autonomy. So um, I just kept going and um, here I am. <laughs> so, I mean, you took it up a notch and I have many friends that, you know, went for the nurse practitioner. That means you don't need me anymore. I mean, you guys have all the <laughs> no. autonomy nowadays. So what made you take that next step? Because it's more education. I assume you had kids yeah. at the time. What motivated you to, to keep going on to get becoming a nurse practitioner? Um, you know, I worked, I started out as a labor and delivery nurse. I worked 7P to 7A night shifts. And um, it's a lot of hours, a lot of being on call. And um, I just decided that um, I wanted more responsibility. Um, there were there were more things I wanted to see, more things I wanted to do. And um, I needed some better hours for my family life because um, I was pregnant with my first daughter in my last year of graduate school. And, um, wow. you know night shift and the being on call and missing out on holidays and uh, weekends is, is really hard on family life. So um, I wanted to do more and it just seemed like that was going to be um, a great opportunity and a good fit for me where I was in my life. So let, let me ask you, I mean, I am, I am very familiar with uh, baby delivering because I have three of my own <laughs> and you right. know, in, in the room, I mean, nothing is more special than having a nurse that takes care of your wife. And they, you guys do such an awesome job at it. Um, how was it very emotional for you in the beginning? I mean, I just know from my med school rotations, I, I was always crying because there's so much happiness, and and then you're sad and worried, and mom's not doing well, but the baby's not doing well. How, what was your experience being an, a labor and delivery nurse? I loved being a labor and delivery nurse. As a matter of fact, I miss some of that because um, there's a bond that you establish with these patients because you're with them and you're with them the whole way. And this is for some, they're one of their, you know, biggest days of their lives. It's full of excitement and just pure joy. And you get to experience that and witness that and hold their hand along the way and make sure they're safe, the baby's safe and so forth. But, you know, not all deliveries and happy. Um, and there's those patients too, that I connected with to help those ladies cope with a loss and how to move forward. And, um, you know, I, I just felt like there was, um, I really um, benefited a lot um, emotionally and um, I guess with the whole process, I, I really, uh, it made me a better nurse. So would I be, would I be uh, putting you on the spot? Because I'll admit it, I mean, I, during my OB-GYN rotation back in med school, I was tearing up all the time in that <laughs> labor and delivery room. Did yeah. you have a couple of emotional moments? You ever caught yourself tearing up a little bit in the background? Oh, all the time. All okay. the time. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. All the time. Because that, that is, that is such a, a gift for some people or most yeah. people, you know, yeah. with, you know, having a, having their first baby, especially just yeah. that whole newness and excitement. And um, it's just pure joy. So now um, you're not in the labor and delivery room. Now you have your, your white coat, I assume, like a nice long white coat and you're in the office. So you really do miss uh, being on call at nighttime and, you know, in the trenches right there. Is that, is that, is that what you need? A, you miss a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do miss, um, I miss the labor and delivery world, but now I'm, I have more, a, um, I work part-time and I have more of a um, autonomous position where I'm managing care for women and with their urogynecology needs. So um, 
you know, pelvic organ prolapse, urinary incontinence, chronic pelvic pain, uh, recurrent infections. So I've, you know, just kind of transitioned to more, um, you know, different nursing. So let me ask you this, because, you know, the Dr. Raj show is for everyone. And I have a lot of awesome followers that are nurses. And some of my best friends are nurses. In a broad strokes answer, do you recommend maybe pursuing the next level for their education and going on to be a nurse practitioner? Is that something you encourage? Or do you say, hey, if you really want to be in the trenches, don't go that route? What's your advice for everyone? Uh, My advice is to do what makes you happiest. Um, you have to do you and decide for yourself, um, you know, do you want to go on and do other things or are you content with what you're doing? Um, obviously I'm an advocate for education because I think, uh, the more the education, the, you know, more prepared you are, um, knowledge is power. Yep. Um, I'm going to be a little selfish and say that, you know, I have these awesome critical care nurses in my ICU. I just worked with them today before our, our interview. And they're all going to leave me. They all want to be nurse practitioners now. I'm, I'm yeah. a little upset. About that. <laughs> I understand because you, do, you, you develop some of your work friends or your family friends. Yeah. You know? yeah. Your work is your family too. And you do yeah. you develop these relationships with people that are hard to come by. So it's hard to see people transition. And speaking of family, me and you, uh, we met each other through a mutual friend. I thought maybe you might want to give a shout out. So for the listening world, you know, uh, one of my passions is book writing. I have a book series. And one of the book series, book volumes is Obi-Gain, Morning Report Beyond the Pearls. The volume editor is an amazing doctor who I immensely respect. Her name is Dr. Kate Merriweather who uh, you used to be employed with together, and that's how we met each other. Yes. So uh, yes. you want to give Kate a shout-out, and you want to say what was, was, was Kate uh, good to work know, with? <laughs> uh, Dr. Merriweather is such a gift, and she was such a gift when she came to University of Louisville, not knowing anyone, um, engaged to her awesome husband, Stephen, who I still to this day think he <laughs> should have gone and made some friends down at Churchill Downs. I think he would have made an excellent jockey but anyway um i miss kate dearly she uh she certainly was a true gift to our office and our practice and uh, came to me in a time in my life where you know i really needed her and we worked so well together i miss her dearly so all right yeah. I, I already put in the back of my mind my checklist make sure to acknowledge kate merriweather who's just an amazing person so good so you know i really i got you here i know it's such a beautiful day but i do want to raise awareness about something that you and i are both passionate about and it's epilepsy you know yes. and i really want to talk about this and no one knows where this conversation is going but you have a very very all your all your three daughters are special but you have a very special story in regards to your your middle daughter, Hadley Cho, and I'm not going to start off the conversation. I want you to tell it. Can you tell the listeners what happened to Hadley Cho when she was very young and how did this led to your passion about epilepsy? Absolutely. I go back to that day, thinking back on that day back in July. It was a summer hot day and we were with some friends having uh, dinner at McAllister's Deli and my whole world flipped upside down that day in ways that I never saw coming. Um, my daughter was 16 months old at the time and started having a, having a seizure on my lap. Um, she uh. started twitching and, um, I was in total shock. Uh, we do not have family history or, um, you know, anyone in the family with seizures or epilepsy. So it, it was, it was a, quite a shock for all of us. And I had this, you know, limp baby. 
um, with her eyes rolled in the back of her head, not oh. breathing. And as a parent, I cannot explain the, the feelings of uh, being overwhelmed and desperate for help because all I could do was to pray that, um, you know, please, God, don't take my baby. Um, you, were you a nurse at the time or no? A nurse practitioner, uh-huh. You were a nurse practitioner, so... Yep. Did this you, wouldn't have known I was, you wouldn't have known I was medical that day. All that goes out the window. You're, you're kind of in mom mode at that point that, you know, I've got to save my baby. And uh, um, I agree. What did you do? So you're, in, you're in the restaurant, your, your baby's in your hand. Was it yell 911 or did you know what was going on? Or kind of, um, I, I luckily called. Right. Well, I, I felt like um, I knew I could get to the hospital faster than waiting on an ambulance. And uh, luckily, my pediatrician answered the call and oh. talked me through sternal chest rubs and breath blows. And, um, and my, my friend who we were with, uh, we all piled in the car and I sat in the back doing breath blows and wow. sternal chest rubs on the way to the emergency room. Um, where we later found out that my daughter was having a seizure, um, an actual, um, a, a febrile seizure. And that's where all of her epilepsy started from that day forward. So here we are several years later. And, um, you know, we, we have a, I like to call it um, a family diagnosis. So, so let me ask you this, mean, mean epilepsy seizures. I mean, I always tell my med students, there's few things you see in the hospital that will never, that will for always change your life. You know, things like, First time someone is hypoglycemic, first time someone passes away, or seeing a seizure, you're never prepared. And no matter what you know, and like you said, what you read or what right. title you have, especially if it's a loved one. So right. I'm sure you are very familiar with many different neurologists, and not to be too personal, but I mean, is these seizures easy to control? Is it one medication? Is it any medications? How are we right now controlling these seizures? And do we know what triggers them, if I'm using that word correctly? Yeah. Um, seizures are very scary and I agree with you when you see a seizure it's it's a um, it's a memory you can't ever forget and you cannot erase from your brain um, and I still carry around to this day um, you know my oldest daughter was there and, and saw me fall apart in ways that I, I cannot erase from her brain and I can't take back um, but we have to move forward um, and it has been a struggle um, you know, kids are constantly growing and changing and needing different dosages. And, um, you know, it's a, it, it's, it's a very unique uh, disease, yet there's no cure. And uh, it's very scary. So um, we've been down the road of different medications, trying to figure out what works. Um, and then I realized that it's not always about conventional medication that can give your child the best help and the best medical management. So um, Hadley Joe was two years old when a stranger seizure, um, a, a stranger's service dog responded to her seizures and alerted us. Um, what? Wait, 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 where, where did this happen? So yes. where, where yes. was the service dogs? How, how did that get into the picture? Were you somewhere outdoor or at a friend's house or no. what happened? Um, we were at um, our sitters and, um, my sitter's son was in town visiting, and he has a, um, a seizure alert service dog. And it was a big old German shepherd dog. Uh, she's <laughs> huge. 
And um, she was very intimidating and she scared heavily because she kept <laughs> circling around her body and she was biting her shirt, trying to get her on the ground and yelping and, you know, just kind of crying, whining, you know, looking anxious. And sure enough, you know, a few moments later, Hadley Joe had a seizure. Wow. So let me, at that let me point, ask you this, Heather. Um, that's sorry for interrupting. So everyone will know. I mean, I don't even know the answer to this. So is, is Hadley Joe's seizure is what we call a generalized seizure where she loses consciousness or is it a partial seizure where she's aware of what's going on? How would you categorize them? Well, um, as you know, there's uh, 40 different types of seizures and Hadley Joe suffers from three of those types of seizures. She suffers from febrile seizures, tonic clonic seizures, and complex partial seizures. Oh, Her wow. most common seizures are the complex partial seizures. Um, she has lots of um, confusion, um, disorientation. She'll say she's scared. She'll say her eyes hurt, her brain hurts. Um, uh, she's wow. um, scared. She wants her mommy. She needs to lay down. Uh, as she's gotten older, she's able to identify with self-awareness, you know, um, how she's feeling. Whereas when she was two and three, she couldn't. So that's why when I saw this happened before my eyes with the service dog. I wanted to take that service dog home with me, but <laughs> I knew that I couldn't. That wouldn't be very nice. That wouldn't so, be nice. <laughs> no. So I realized I had some research to do, and um, I really felt like that was God's plan for me. He uh, gave us this incurable disease uh, to do something with it. And uh, let's see what we can do with it, something positive. Let's see something positive come out. Let's. Um, you know, let's, let's, let's move forward together. So how old was, um, was, was Hadley Joe when this story took place with the German shepherd where she had, she was two. Two. She was little. So what, what exactly did the German shepherd do? Did he kind of like kind of position himself underneath Hadley Joe? Did she fall down or what, what, what did the German shepherd do? Um, looking back on that time, um, the dog just acts like something was wrong. Uh, okay. was whimpering and like circling around her, trying to get her on the ground. Oh, wow. Um, you know, and it, and it just, you know, it scared her. So, um, you know, German shepherds are big and when you're two and you know, you've got this <laughs> hundred plus pound dog, you know, circling yeah. around, you know, yeah, that's overwhelming. So I just feel like that day. It was another day that was just sort of meant to be to sort of open my eyes that, hey, help is out there. There, there, there is more help out there. There are more options out there, and they're not always conventional medicine, and it's okay. And I, this, and is a great, this is a great segue because when uh, I, I'm going to have your website so people can see all the things that we're talking about. But, um, I mean, you have, I mean, Hadley Joe, I got to say, is one of the cutest <laughs> daughters in the whole world. And I want you to let everyone know about Ariel. Yes. Now, Ariel is actually the name of this beautiful dog also. So how did that one, the story about seeing the German Shepherd, how did that motivate you to get Ariel? And, and, and tell me about the first meeting with Ariel and all those things. I want to hear it. Well... I, you know, my research began because I knew I couldn't take that person's service dog home with me. So I yep. needed to find, you know, a, a reputable um, organization that could give me a service dog because you hear about all of the, um, 
you know, fakes and, and people get ripped off all the time and, you know, are out thousands of dollars because they don't get, you know, legit service dogs. So I was so afraid. Um, and so I, I just kept researching and, um, actually we ended up finding, um, ultimate canine through, um, our deacon at our church. He's a retired secret servant and he had, um, some friends with the, uh, LMPD um, canine department. And then they suggested that we reach out to Ultimate Canine where they get their canine dogs trained. Oh, wow. And so, so I reached out to this company. They're outside of Indianapolis and um, not too far away from us, a couple hours. And um, we went and did an, an open house. We've done, we did interviews and, it, you know, just something clicked, something felt right. And it's a really cool process. They, um, they breed their own dogs and then they match your dog um, to their puppies. Uh, very young. Once those puppies go through their evaluations and are, um, you know, scored and score high enough to be service, uh, service line dogs. Um, and then they train them 24 hours um, and, and they go through extensive training and then they transition your service dog home to you when they graduate. Ariel graduated when she was seven months old and ultimate canine came and lived with us for about a week to transition us, to teach us how uh, a certified dog handler. So let me ask you this. So we're calling them service dogs. So are these dogs um, were trained in the medical sense where the service is such a broad word. So service could be helping us in the terms of a police dog, or yeah. a fire dog. So was Ariel trained to spot out epilepsy? Am I making this up? Or how do we train her to do what she does now? You know? You know, that's everybody's question. And it, it is <laughs> okay. a popular question. How does Ariel do what she does? Um, because you cannot uh, safely um, induce a, uh, a seizure. You know, you can't yeah. medically induce a seizure. So um, this company believes that once they identify these dogs that are born with that gift per se to be a service dog, um, and and we're not talking about therapy dogs, we're not talking about companion dogs, we're talking about service dogs that um, are, are born with this gift per se. Uh, we're also talking about a dog that has uh, tendencies to gravitate toward children. So Ariel had some criteria to meet once she was matched with Hadley Joe. Um, and what happens is over time, usually about a year's time, these dogs develop a bond with their child. In our case, Hadley Joe. Ariel bonded with Hadley Joe within about a year um, in a relationship that she doesn't have with anyone else in the family or anyone else anywhere. Um, and then that bond is so strong that she's able to identify when something is wrong with Hadley. Um, wow. You know, um, and, and we're not quite sure if that's, you know, a sense, you know, some sort of chemical reaction that you know, we're just not really sure. We don't have all the answers. Um, but we know that something has worked because our service dog saves our daughter's life. Oh and Eric, uh, I know. Then, let me ask you a couple of questions. I know my listeners are like, wait a minute, I, Raj, ask a question, ask a question. So I'm sure everyone wants to know a couple of things. Yes, I'll put pictures up of <laughs> Ariel on the website so you can see what the dog looks like. Can you uh, describe uh, the breed? And yes. describe yes. the dog so everyone can kind of picture and how big in, in weight can describe yes. wonderful arrow yes. to everyone. 
So Ariel is a Labradoodle. Um, Ultimate Canine convinced me that a Labradoodle is an ideal service dog for a child um, because most children have special needs and therefore lots of allergies and, you know, just different needs. And so you really need a dog that's really smart, um, a dog that's hypoallergenic, and a dog that's um, easy to train, um, very trainable. So. Um, they believe in the Labradoodles, that they've gotten the best success with their kids with Labradoodles. Um, they also do labs and German Shepherds, but for children, you know, she explained to me that if I, you know, matched with a German Shepherd and I went to a playground with our German Shepherd, no kid would come play with Hadley Joe. <laughs> that. That, that's true. You know? That's true. So, um, she's a... Um, she is four years old. She is a chocolate Labradoodle. She's nice and soft and fluffy. Um, she's about 50 pounds. She's a small standard Labradoodle. And uh, she and her brother were the only two puppies from her litter that scored high enough scores to be service dogs. Wow. And, and, and did gender play a part of picking Ariel or just so happened that she was a woman? Or I don't really know about the studies, but. I just felt like with Hadley Joe being a female, a female would be a better fit for her. But we certainly were not against if we were matched to a male. You know, you can put your request in and then, you know, as the process evolves, they do their best. So that's kind of how it, it just it, well, worked me, out. <laughs> well, let me say this. I want to hear a couple of stories about some amazing stories. But, you know, I have, I'm a huge dog person. And the first thing I loved about Ariel is that my first dog, uh, his name was Chaco. He was a Cocker Spaniel and had the exact same chocolate brown coat as uh, Ariel. So well, well chosen on the color. And the other thing is that my dog right now is a golden doodle. His name is Clifford. And he's not as obedient and he doesn't listen to me that well. So if, if you're in the mood of training another dog, I could give you Clifford for free if you're in the mood. <laughs> Well, remember, I didn't train this dog, you know. That's this true. Dog That's came true. To train, so, um, but, you know, I'm happy to give you any of my advice that I do have. I just don't know that you want my advice. <laughs> well, you know, I want to make sure I say, ask a couple of things, which is, is, is there sure. one story in particular when we talk about, you know, Hadley Joe and Ariel that just jumps to mind, like your go-to story? I mean, you are such a big advocate of this. You're on so many, you're on CNN. I saw something on CNN, you know. You're everywhere. That's pretty cool. Yes. It so. was. It, it's really cool. Um, so one thing that comes to mind was at the end of the school year, you know, we're in this pandemic and things are crazy. Um, and we went to school uh, to pick up our yearbook. They had this little parade thing, drive-through parade. You could, you know, wave goodbye to your teachers and uh, pick up your yearbook on the way out of the parking lot. And, you know, we opened up our yearbook and we had this nice little surprise where our daughter was featured with her service dog in the kindergarten class. And that just touches me in ways that <laughs> I can't explain to people because, you know, what a special surprise for us and, and what an inclusive moment. You know, it's, it's, it's like a, a sense of family. Like the school chose to be kind and inclusive. And um, it, I thought that that sent a great message uh, for other schools uh, all over the world that, hey, you know, not everybody looks the same and not everybody learns the same and that's okay. Yep. You know, no, here we are, and it can, if we can do this in Kentucky, other schools can do this all over the world. No, I agree, and I want to make sure I spend a little time on this, which is 
mean, you have a website. And I think what really touches me, I mean, the fact that, I mean, I love the fact of who you are. I love that you're an awesome nurse practitioner. I love you do labor and delivery. But, you know, being an advocate for something that I feel is service dogs for children with epilepsy. You know, epilepsy, like we talked about earlier, just always makes me tear up no matter what age you are. When it's kids, it stings that much more. And if there are things that we can do without using medications, because these meds mean you need them sometimes, but they have so many side effects. And you created a website and you're an advocate of raising awareness of service dogs so kids with epilepsy can use them. Am I saying it correctly? You, you want to yeah. give me a little more information about this? Yeah. So like I said before, you know, Ariel saves Hadley Joe's life. You know, she goes everywhere with her. Um, she uh, sleeps in her room with her. She goes to school with her. She rides <laughs> the bus with her. She's on stage at the dance recital. She goes to soccer, <laughs> field hockey. Uh, she, you know, anywhere Hadley Joe goes, Ariel is right there beside her. And, uh, you know, she's, she's my eyes and ears when I'm not there. Ariel is a way for Hadley Joe to live in um, an in independent life. Um, I think uh, we all want that for our kids to grow up and, and live independently and function as independently as possible. And, you know, I, I really feel like Ariel allows Hadley Joe to do that. That's very comforting to me as a mom. Yeah. And, and, and tell, tell everyone about the website. We're going to put it on there. Is that website still functioning? And is the main part of the website yeah. So the cool thing about all this is um, back to, I want to see, you know, good things come from our story. And I felt like I needed to do more. And so we partnered with the Epilepsy Foundation of Kentucky, Anna. Um, and we have our own nonprofit project called the Hope for Hadley Joe Project. And we are funding service dogs for other children with epilepsy in Kentucky. Um, yeah. And that's kind of what the website is all about, to share our story and show people that you're not alone and there are people out there. You know, I went through a really difficult time as a mom of just feeling so alone and so desperate, desperate for answers and desperate for someone to help me. And uh, how was I going to raise all these thousands of dollars that I had to make installments to get the service dog? Because insurance doesn't always cover service dogs for families. Right. And that's a big problem. And service dogs can cost families anywhere from ten dollars to $60,000. You know, Wait, did you say sixty thousand dollars? Yes, yes. Oh it's my expensive. god! I didn't, so, I didn't know that. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So I just, you know, I didn't want anybody to feel like I felt. And yeah. if there was something that I could do uh, along the way to help other families, then sign me up. So we have the nonprofit, and it's slow. Uh, we don't have a lot of, or we don't have any corporate donors. Um, but every dollar helps. And yep. uh, we're hoping to have our, um, enough money set aside soon uh, to uh, a grant a family, at least with a, you know, a nice down payment for their service dog. Well, you know what? I, you know, there are certain websites or certain nonprofits that when you just hear the story behind it, it just makes you feel good that you want to be part of it. And I, that's why I love your story. I'm like, you know, when I thought the Dr. Raj podcast, you are what I represent, which is just, <laughs> just hardworking people with a good cause. You know what I mean? And you know what's the selling point? If everyone could just see what your daughter looks like. And I just want everyone to know that I, I, I met Heather and she brought her daughter to meet my daughter. And we met at Panera Bread, I remember. <laughs> and uh, those, those, my daughter and your daughter hit it off. They were running around a little too much. 
uh, but it, it was just amazing, you know, and one thing I wanted to ask you is that, um, well, first off, I'm going to do everything I can to raise awareness to your website and your nonprofit and anyone who loves what Dr. Raj represents, I, you will love what Heather represents and the Hadley Joe Foundation represents. Um, you gave me a really cool bow tie. I'm not really a bow tie type of guy. So people who know me are like, what are you talking about? It was like a, a purple bow tie with dogs on it. Are you starting a clothing line? Uh, what, what, what's going on here? Why the bow ties? Tell me about that. <laughs> no, um, I met someone um, from bowtie.com and they um, loved our story and uh-huh. offered to make us a bow tie and represent epilepsy awareness. So it's purple representing epilepsy and the little dogs represent Ariel. And uh-huh. um, yeah, it's really cool. And they're, um, they're really neat. So um, 100% of the proceeds from those bow tie sales are uh, going to the nonprofit project to fund service dogs for other children with epilepsy. Now, if anyone who's listening uh, wants to get one of these bow ties, do they still exist? Can they go to the website and can they click on a link or something, get these pretty cool bow ties? Yes, yes. There's, uh, that's all on the website. So we'll share that with you for sure. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to tell you, when we uh, put our pictures up for the web uh, for this uh, podcast, I might be wearing the bow tie on that to, to show it off a little bit, you know? Love it. Love it. <laughs> but, a good purple. <laughs> well, you know what? I know that because you're such a great mom. I know that you took time off. Your your eldest daughter is having a football game today. Field, or hockey. Field hockey. Oh, my God. Yep. So I, I do want to say thank you for spending time on the Dr. Raj show. And I know you're you're always multitasking like like I am. So that's why I'm always so happy to spend time with you. Well, you know, the pleasure is mine. This is such a treat for me. And um, I've been looking forward to this all day. It's always great to see you smiling. My, my brother out in California that I miss dearly. I wish we could see each other more often. So this is a huge treat for me today. Awesome. And, you know, last but not least, Heather, I'm sure we're going to get great reviews about this interview because you're such a dynamic personality. If there's a, if I need you to come back on again, uh, can I count on you to be on the Dr. Ross show again? Maybe next time with your daughter, with, with, with Hadley Joe? Well, absolutely. Of course. All right. right. I'm going to take your word on that. Everyone, (laughs) I hope you enjoyed today's interview. Heather, take care and we'll be talking soon. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of Ars Longa Media. The producers for this show are Christopher Breidigan and Madison Linden. The executive producer is Dr. Patrick Beeman. This podcast is for educational purposes only and not intended for medical advice. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis. <laughs>